Welcome to the Shepherd Psalm. Uh, we are looking line by line into Psalm 23 using W. Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It is full of wonderful insights that help bring this psalm to life to us today. I mean, we don't live, uh, most of us, I don't know, maybe you do, but I don't have sheep in my backyard. I've never been a shepherd a day in my life. And so when when David writes about <clears throat> being a shepherd and he writes about sheep, these are lessons that are a little bit lost in translation into our modern culture. <clears throat> but Keller, being a shepherd, uh, writes this commentary on this um, psalm, and it is incredibly insightful. I encourage you, if you don't have a copy, grab a copy, read it. Um, because today we are covering chapter 5 of Keller's book, looking in depth at David's sentence where he says, He restores my soul. So let's read Psalm 23. I'm reading out of the ESV, and then we'll get into our discussion. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So stay tuned to part five, He Restores My Soul. When we read Psalm 23, we need to remember that it is told from the perspective of the sheep and not from the perspective of the shepherd. This sheep is in the good care and the loving care of its good shepherd, and it enjoys a very close relationship with this shepherd. The shepherd feeds, waters, protects, and cares for the sheep. Thus, the sheep loves the shepherd. But if the shepherd is good and does all this for the sheep, then why does David say the line, He restores my soul? When would a sheep in the care of a good and loving shepherd, ever be in a situation where they're out of fellowship, where they're distressed, to the point where they need restoration. It does happen. As we walk with God, we know that it's not the shepherd's fault, but the sheep's fault for putting themselves in situations where they wander out of the protection of the shepherd. Thus, the shepherd has to restore them to the flock. David wrote in Psalm 42, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Or, why are you cast down? Why so disturbed within me? Well, Keller reminded us that as a shepherd, David would understand and use the term being cast with significance. When a sheep is cast, it has turned over on its back and is unable to get back up. It begins to get frustrated and, and panic sets in because it can't right itself. This is not the sheep necessarily being lazy. Uh, it is unable to get out of this position because gases build up in the body of the sheep. 
If the shepherd does not arrive quickly, the sheep will die. Every single day, the shepherd has to go out and count and inspect the flock to make sure that none are missing or cast. Pregnant sheep can get cast, and it can be a devastating loss to the shepherd to lose not just the sheep, but also the lamb that she was pregnant with. What's also interesting is that predators are also on the lookout for cast sheep as well. A helpless sheep is easy prey when the shepherd isn't around. The largest, healthiest, and strongest sheep can become cast. Let's look at the spiritual application of this. You might be thinking, well, I'm not a shepherd. I don't have sheep. What does this have to do with me? Well, regardless of how long a person has been a Christian, they can fall into error. They can fall flat on their face, fall flat on their back. They can become cast. The New Testament is filled with warnings against Christians being deceived in various areas. People who don't read the Bible for themselves and who aren't listening to good biblical teachers can easily fall into deception. Pastors and ministers can fall into deception, and sadly, there are plenty of names to choose from. When Joshua McDowell was being interviewed, and he asked, he was asked recently about the revelation of a minister's scandalous lifestyle, Josh replied, you need to understand that it can happen to anyone. Now, this is a shocking statement because we often assume that pastors and ministry leaders and missionaries are so close to Jesus because of their vocation. They're practically impervious to Satan's attacks. But the truth of the matter is that Satan relentlessly goes after those who are in ministry. The phrase from Scripture is absolutely true. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. If Satan can destroy a minister that you looked up to, that you believed in, that invested in your spiritual growth, that you thought was perfect, it can absolutely devastate you and make you distrust any future ministry leader. Keller talked about seeing buzzards flying near where his flock was. The minute he saw that, he ran out to check his flock to make sure that none was cast or injured. We see this intense situation when Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep, how the shepherd would leave the 99 who were safely grazing to pursue the one lost sheep that was in need. It is a deep concern for the shepherd to be missing a sheep, and it's a delight to be able to find and restore the sheep back to the flock. Regarding this, Keller wrote this, and it's a long quote, but I feel like it's worth reading uh, to you. He said, or he wrote, Again and again, I would spend hours searching for a single sheep that was missing. Then, more often than not, I, will see, I would see it at a distance, down on its back, lying helpless. At once, I would start to run toward it, hurrying as fast as I could, for every minute was critical. Within me, there was a mingled sense of fear and joy, fear that it might be too late, joy that it was found at all. As soon as I reached the cast you, 
my first impulse was to pick it up. Tenderly, I would roll the sheep over on its side. Then I would relieve the pressure of gases in the rumen. If she had been down for long, I would have to lift her onto her feet. Then straddling the sheep with my legs, I would hold her erect, rubbing her limbs to restore the circulation to her legs. This often took quite a little time. When the sheep started to walk again, she often just stumbled, staggered, and collapsed in a heap once more. All the time I worked on the cast sheep, I would talk to it gently. When are you going to learn to stand on your own feet? I'm so glad I found you in time, you rascal. Little by little, the sheep would regain its equilibrium. It would start to walk steadily and surely. By and by, it would dash away to rejoin the others, set free from its fears and frustrations, given another chance to live a little longer. All this pageantry is conveyed to my heart and mind when I repeat the simple statement, He restores my soul. There is something intensely personal, intensely tender, intensely endearing, yet intensely fraught with danger in the picture. On the one hand, there is the sheep, so helpless, so utterly immobilized, though otherwise strong, healthy, and flourishing. <clears throat> While on the other hand, there is the attentive, the attentive owner, quick and ready to come to its rescue, ever patient and tender and helpful. At this point, it is important to point out that similarly in the Christian life, there is an exciting and comforting parallel there. Many people have the idea that when a child of God falls, when he's frustrated and helpless in a spiritual dilemma, God becomes disgusted, fed up, and even furious with him. But that simply is not so. One of the great revelations of the heart of God given to us by Christ is that of himself as our shepherd. He has the same identical sensations of anxiety, concern, and compassion for cast men and women as I had for cast sheep. This is precisely why he looked on people with such pathos and compassion. It explains his magnanimous dealing with down-and-out individuals for whom even human society had no use. It reveals why he wept over those who spurned his affection. It discloses the depth of his understanding of undone people to whom he came regularly and quickly, ready to help, to save, and to restore. And we see this when Jesus restored Peter at the end of John's Gospel. Jesus could have embarrassed Peter by denying him. He could have rebuked him. He could have disavowed him. He could have excommunicated him. But instead, Jesus showed patience. He showed compassion. He showed empathy and love for Peter. He didn't become disgusted with Peter. He restored his soul. Regardless of how long you've walked with Christ, we will mess up. We will fall flat on our face. And here's a prime example. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they needed water. God told Moses, take his staff, strike a rock, water would come out. Moses struck the rock, water gushed forth. Later on, the people complained again, we need water. 
This time, God told Moses to speak to the rock. Well, instead, out of anger and frustration, Moses struck the rock twice. Moses was a righteous man. Moses talked face to face with God. He held the Ten Commandments that were carved out of Mount Sinai and written with the hand of God. Moses was way more spiritual than I could ever dream of being, but even he found himself cast. James chapter 3 verse 2 says, for we all stumble in many ways. When we start to think highly of ourselves, when we start to think highly of our accomplishments, our pursuits, we can be most easily knocked off track and stumble. And it can come right in the middle of a huge victory that God gives us. The enemy will look for any way to knock you off your feet and to put you into a cast position. In Keller's book, he gives us three reasons why sheep become cast. The first is when sheep look for a soft spot to settle down into, it can put them into a position they can't get out of. They're looking for something comfortable. For the Christian, it's easy to look for comfortable surroundings. It's easy to look for a large church that doesn't require anything from us. It's easy to look for a place that, where there's no hardship, there's no self-discipline, there's no demands put upon us. When everything is going our way and when life has become comfortable, we should sit up and ensure our spiritual walk with God has not become stagnant or non-existent. The second reason uh, Keller gives us for why sheep become cast is that sheep can have too much wool. They can weigh them down. Wool becomes heavy and filled with mud and manure and debris. It makes it almost impossible for the sheep not to be rolled over into a cast state. And Keller points out that wool in scripture is often used to describe the old self-life in the Christian. It's the pursuit of selfish things, worldly ideals, ideas and ideals that weigh us down. Keller added that he felt it was significant that the high priests in Israel were not allowed to wear anything with wool when they entered the Holy of Holies because of wool representing pride and arrogance. Well, the only way to ensure a sheep is not weighed down with wool is to shear it. Now, from what I've heard, neither the sheep nor the shepherd really enjoy this process, but it is absolutely necessary for the health and safety of the sheep. Similarly, we don't always enjoy when God begins to put his finger on the one thing he wants us to give up. One thing that's weighing us down. But when we're willing to give that over to him, how much of a burden God has lifted off of us and how much more free we feel. And then finally, sheep get cast easily when they're too fat. Overfat sheep are not healthy, they're not productive. Sheep that weigh too much cannot get back on their feet easily. Sheep that do well are sheep that are strong, sturdy, and energetic. Now I'm not talking about, for, for Christians, we're not talking about physically fat, we're talking about spiritually fat. Let's look at a spiritual application here. 
uh, people who get complacent, seeking an easy and comfortable life, people whose goal it is to be self-reliant. These are the people that we're talking about. When we become sure of ourselves and our accomplishments and our strengths and talents and abilities, we will fall flat on our face. Revelation 3.17 reminds us there's a warning there not to seek wealth and opulence. God does bless people with wealth, and that's not a sin to have money. But remember that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. Keller wrote, Material success is no measure of spiritual health, nor is apparent affluence any criteria of real godliness. I would also add that Christians can get spiritually fat as well as materially fat. God gave us resources. He gave us knowledge to be streams and not reservoirs. As God pours into us spiritually, we need to be pouring into others as well. We need to be discipling less mature Christians and sharing the things that we have learned. Find a place to get plugged in, serve your local church, and pour into the lives of others so you can be a healthy sheep, not weighed down by the cares of this world, not weighed down by sin, not weighed down by spiritual, spiritual knowledge without an outlet. Next week is spring break for us, so we will catch up with you in two weeks. God bless you. We pray that you have a wonderful week telling somebody about Jesus. God bless. We'll see you soon.